Amen. Thank you, Erica and Heidi. Appreciate that much. Luke chapter number 12. Luke chapter number 12. If you'll grab your Bibles and join me there. If you need a copy of the Scriptures, there should be one there in front of you in the back of the pew. I'd love for you to follow along, and uh, that would be great, and I'd love for you to be able to do that. But Luke chapter number 2, the title of the message is this, Four Big Mistakes, Four Big Mistakes, and uh, football season upon us. Uh, you often hear commentators or those who watch the game say mistakes are costly, and so they are not only in games, but more so in life. And the Lord here in Luke chapter 12 is going to help us identify four big mistakes that we can find in our life. Luke chapter number 12, what we have before us in the passage is Jesus Christ is telling a story. In the Bible, we call them parables. What do we know parables to be? They are earthly stories with heavenly meanings. In other words, Christ is giving an earthly illustration of a heavenly principle, a heavenly truth. And in here, I believe he's showing us four mistakes that we we can easily find in our own lives, that the door can open to in the way we live our life and in our thinking for us to make these mistakes in our life. And certainly we want to avoid that this evening. We want to start by reading verse number 16, which will set the context or set the table for the story. Luke chapter 12, look at verse number 16 with me. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. Now, that's a great statement. And it kind of sets the table. We see what we're dealing with here. Uh, for this rich man, things were going especially well, weren't they? Uh, we could say it's certainly an upswing, that things are prosperous, things are doing, go, going very well, and, and uh, it's a good time for this rich farmer. And may I just say this morning, that might describe you. In spite of all that's going on, this may be a very good time for you. You may be prospering. You may be very blessed. You may think, man, things are really looking up for me. Things are going fantastic. And boy, I've just had a great week. I've had a great month. I've had a great year. Praise the Lord. I've had a great life. Amen. And it may be you. You may be like this rich ruler, this, excuse me, this rich farmer. And boy, your things are going well. And if that's the case, man, just say this. Praise the Lord. And you can relate to this rich farmer. He had it all going. It's going fantastic. It's going well. And, and be careful. You don't want to make the same mistakes this rich farmer made. As you're prospering, things go up. Maybe you're sitting there and say, Pastor Henry, I'm not prosperous. I'm penniless. Things aren't looking up. They're all over the ground because they're falling apart. Things are not going well for me. I can't identify with this, this rich farmer and everything going smoothly and everything going well. Well, I want to encourage you this morning that even though you may be walking through a valley in life, you can make the same four mistakes. Whether you're prospering or you're struggling, whether things have just been upside down a little bit, we may, you may say right now, boy, life is just a big struggle. It's a big challenge. Uh, uh, life has turned me upside down, inside out, pulling me every which way. Well, can I just warn you too? Be careful because often in the midst of troubles and challenges, in the midst of a valley of life, we can make these same mistakes. And so it's a great passage challenging you and I. So can I encourage you this way? You say, Pastor Henry, I identify with that rich farmer. Things are going pretty well. Great. Now, be warned today. You say, well, I don't identify who I am. Well, if you identify with his penniless neighbor, <laughs> okay, learn and understand, be warned this morning that these four mistakes can find their way into your life. Now, before we get to the parable, it's important for us to give you the best advice. I, I want to share with you what Christ gave us as the best advice to help us not make these four mistakes. 
And he gives it to us in this passage. And he says, now listen, be careful here. It requires a proper mindset. It requires a proper outlook on life. And he gives it to us in verse 21. Will you look there with me? Verse number 21, same passage. Christ speaking. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. May I just tell you right now, you don't want to make these four mistakes, and the way to not make them is to make sure your mindset is correct, and that mindset is this. Be rich towards God. Be rich towards God. That's what Christ is saying here. Don't lay out treasures for yourself. Young person, you listen to me. Life is not to be lived for you. It is to be lived for the Lord. Okay? Don't lay up treasures for yourself. Don't live the life for you. Live it for the Lord. Be rich towards God. And when you're rich towards God, you won't make these four mistakes that we see outlined and given to us very clearly. Now let's look at them. Let's see what they are. Verse number 17. Will you look there with me? Verse 17. He begins the parable or continues it. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. Now the mistake number one is one of omission. It's one that he's left out in his thinking. In fact, he's left something out that is terribly important to God. Mistake number one, uh, if you want to write it down, I encourage you to do so. Mistake number one, in planning for himself, he forgot his neighbor. In planning for himself, he forgot his neighbor. Did you catch what he said? Where am I going to bestow my fruits? In fact, the next verse, we'll get to it in a moment. He says, I'm going to bestow all my fruits and all my goods in my barn. (laughs) His mindset, we'll put it this way, there is a great betrayal made in this verse. It betrays the thinking of this rich farmer. It shows us and gives us a glimpse into what he's thinking. His thoughts are consumed with who? Himself. We would say this, and don't miss it, he is a very self-centered farmer. There is a thinking that belies a self-centeredness about him. In fact, the whole passage, we see it. It's all about him, right? What am I going to do? How am I going to handle it? I'm going to handle it this way. It's a very self-centeredness. His only thought is about himself, his plans, his needs, his decisions, his actions, his life. Now, we might step back and we might say, wait, well, you know what? The pressures and the challenges of running such a big, prosperous, profitable farm and doing all this thing that the rich farm, you know what? Uh, uh, Those might have been big distractions for him. That takes a lot of focus and it takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of effort. It really demands his attention. That may be true, but it's no excuse to forget what God teaches in his word. It's no excuse to forget the reality that God wants you and I to think about our neighbor. He wants us to think less of ourselves and more of others and certainly to think of God. I have, though you say, well, Pastor Ernie, I don't have to worry about that. I'm not consumed with everything going well like this rich farmer. But you know what? I have seen many a soul that has gone through the valley of life and in that difficult time of challenges and and even uh, discouragement, time of need and wants, they too have been consumed with only the thoughts of themselves and what they are facing. In the valleys of life, sometimes we can become so narrow-minded that it is all about us even though we don't realize it. Satan would love to come to you and I when we're going through a valley, when we're going through a difficult time in life and say, listen, you've got way too much going on in your life. You have way too many problems to deal with in your life to think about anyone else. May I tell you, that's not biblical. That's not biblical. 
Well, Pastor Henry, I've got so much going on. Yes, and praise the Lord, we have a God in heaven who is touched by our infirmities, who knows exactly what you're facing, and yet he still wants you and I to reach out to others and love others and and think of others. So be careful. Whether you identify with this rich farmer, you identify with his uh, penniless neighbor, the fact is it does not give us an excuse to neglect the thoughts of others. It's easy to open the door to making this kind of mistake. And how do we open the door to making this mistake? Well, we see it in this man. We open the door by thinking too highly of ourselves. We open the door by thinking too much of ourselves, too highly that, that oh, we, we're so good at this, we've done this, or whatever the case may be. We think too highly of ourselves. The Bible actually speaks to. We've studied in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, he says this, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. A challenge. Don't do that. Notice what he says, but to think soberly. Now notice this. According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now this is important. We'll come back to that last statement in a moment, and I'll I'll reference it. So remember it. He says, as God hath dealt to every man. Okay? It's an important statement. We know the context here because we just studied on Wednesday night. It's dealing with faith. It's dealing with gifts and the things that God has blessed us with that we have to understand that we've received those gifts and talents and the ability to serve from God himself. The Bible is clear. Every good gift comes from God. How many? Which ones? Every. Every. Now, I want to make a point here because I believe it's a big point of this passage in Luke 12. Don't miss it this morning because I think this is crucial. Young people, understand this because this will set your path in life if you allow this to be your mindset. And this is one of the mistakes this rich farmer did. Don't ever forget this little statement. See, we don't get God gives. We don't get God gives we're not the ones out there where I got this for myself and I got this and I achieved this. No, 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 no. Anything you have and anything I have is from the good, gracious hand of God. He has given it. He is the giver of all life and everything that flows from it. Remember what I said about Romans 12? You remember what I said? He said, "Uh, don't think more highly of yourself. God's the one that has dealt to every man. He's the one that has given it and placed it in your hands. Here's the problem. When you and I start to think too highly of ourselves in many ways, maybe we're a self-made person, whatever the case may be, we become what? Very self-centered. Here in this verse, verse 17, the farmer doesn't even think about his neighbor. He is blessed abundantly, and boy, he could have been a huge blessing to his neighbors, doesn't even think about it. What am I going to do with all my goods? Well, I'm going to build barns. I'm going to store them there. Well, what about your neighbor? So self-centered. I, uh, I like this statement. A congressman once uh, uh, said and was speaking to the famous editor, uh, Horace Greeley, and uh, yeah, the congressman was kind of boastful and, and kind of puffing out his chest. He said, well, uh, editor, Mr., Mr. Greeley, I am a self-made man. And to that, Horace Greeley just simply responded. He, he made this statement. He said um, to that, well, that, sir, relieves the Almighty of a great responsibility. I like what one person also observed. They said this, the smallest package we, had ever, we have ever seen is a man who's wrapped up in himself. Hmm. That's a good one. To add to that, one person observed and 
Uh, ladies, be careful about saying amen here. The husband who boasts that he never made a mistake has a wife who did. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh, be careful. Amen, be careful. See, there's some people who we know that have a keen sense of humor, don't they? The more you humor them, the more they like it. What does this all describe? All these are just a little facet, a little description, a little uh, funny anecdote about what? Self-centered people who think there's something. They're thinking more highly of themselves. I, I'm this, I'm this, I'm so good. At, I, boy, they're thinking, I, I've, I, I've done the job for me. I, I've created what I am. It's a self-centered person, a person that thinks he has made himself. And that leads to the wrong thinking that he has gotten and God hasn't given. And, and let's be clear about this. Why does God give to us? Never miss it. God gives it to us so we can give. God's intent in giving you salvation is certainly that you would spend eternity in heaven with him, but there's also a secondary intent by God is that you would share it with others who need heaven, who need a savior. You and I are given great blessings that really don't even belong to us. We're just stewards for God, and God wants us to be blessings to other people with what he's given us. As we think about those who've done music and other things tonight, do you realize that God gives talents and abilities, a teacher, a a, a musician, so that you can give and be a blessing to others? That's why he gives. So we don't get, God gives, and God gives so that you and I can give. That's biblical. That's his intent. That's the heart of God. See, the door to being this kind of self-centered person is open when we think too highly of ourselves. And this idea of giving, you remember a few chapters later, I think it's Luke chapter 18. Rich young ruler comes to Christ and, hey, I've done all this, I've done all this, and I want to be a follower of you. And Jesus Christ looks at him and says what? Go and sell all your goods and give to who? Give to the poor. Come follow me. And what? It broke his heart. You know why the Bible says? Because he was very rich. What do you think that God would want this rich farmer to do? This is the heart of God. As I have given you, give to others. Spread it abroad. Be a blessing. And he does it. Huge mistake by this rich farmer. He doesn't think of others. See, the door is open by thinking too highly of ourselves. And that lack of humility in practice, you know what happens when we think too highly of ourselves? Here's a natural outcome of it is this. This kind of thinking about ourselves leads to think too little of others. When we think too highly of ourselves, we think too little of others. We don't think about their needs and how I can be a blessing and how I can reach out to them and how I can help them. No, no, we don't think about that. It's all about me. It's all about what I'm doing. It's all about my decisions, my plans, my goals, my my desires. See, this farmer should have thought about the needs of his neighbor, as the Bible instructs you and I to do time and time again. To consider others, their needs, are uh, how we can be a blessing to them. Uh, this man forgot his neighbors, and it was a huge mistake. You see, I, I don't know all that you're facing right now. Now, listen to me carefully. I don't know what you're facing right now. I, I don't know all the challenges that are in your life. I, I, I don't know if you're like this farmer or you're like his penniless neighbor and just full of difficulties in life. This is the one thing that I do know. God did not list any exemptions for you or I when he says, love thy neighbor. There's nothing that exempts us from obeying that. Well, you don't know what's going on in my life. Hey, I understand that and praise God he gives grace, but reality is that does not exempt us from that. 
Well, I have all this going on. Man, my life is going well, and it's bustling. I have so, but it's, it's demanding all my attention. That's wonderful, but it does not exempt you from loving your neighbor. Being a blessing, encouraging, and reaching out to them. Don't make the mistake. May I just put it this way? Verse 21 says, be rich to God. How do we do that in light of this mistake? In light of verse 17, number one, we are called to be rich to God by thinking of and putting others first. By thinking of and putting others first. I love the verse in Philippians chapter 2, and the last part of it says this, in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. I'm putting you first. I'm thinking of you. Yeah, I've got troubles. I've got heartaches. Or my life is going great, but I'm still thinking about you. Whatever the case, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to esteem you better than myself. You want to be rich to God? That's how you do it. And then by doing so, I avoid the mistake that this this rich farmer fell into. Now, the second mistake goes right along with it. Look with me at verse number 18. That's mistake number one. In planning for himself, he forgot his neighbor. Look at verse 18. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. Mistake number two, in preparing for his goods, he forgot the giver. In preparing for his goods, he forgot the giver. Okay, so he's not only neglecting and forgetting his neighbor, but he's forgetting God, the giver. Here he is, he's being decisive. He's a good businessman. He's decisive. He's a man of action. He is planning and preparing for what to do with what he has. Yet because he did not grasp that truth we just talked about that we don't get but God gives, he makes a terrible mistake. What is that mistake? Now don't miss this. Young people, get a hold of this. Here's what he did. See, he left God out of the equation of life. He left God out of the equation of his life. Boy, verse 18, is, it sounds like good plans, it sounds like good decision, but there's a huge mistake found therein. At this step, and likely every other step of his life, he left God out. Now, young person and all believers, can I just remind you of this? If in this life, you and I leave God out of the equation of life, we'll always get the wrong answers. Okay? If we leave God out of the equation of life, we're always going to get the wrong answers. This was a wrong answer for him. (laughs) His plans and everything that he decided, notice what he says. I will do this. I'm going to do that. I will do this. There is no if God wills. There is no God told me to do this. No, I will ask God what to do. May I just tell you the biggest mistake of a Christian or a non-Christian can make is leaving God out of the equation of our life and leaving him out of the decisions of life. Now, decisions of life, you ought not to. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you ought not to think of eternity or make plans for eternity and leave God out of it. You ought to include God in it. And God's plan, God being involved in your preparation for eternity means you hear and listen what the Bible says about the reality that Jesus Christ died for you. He shed his blood for your sins so you can gain heaven and lose hell. Don't leave God out of that. Christian, Don't leave God out of the equation and the decisions of life. It's a big mistake. Don't don't plan your life and don't make decisions upcoming this week where you leave God out of it. He is the giver of life, and we've seen certainly all that we have in our possession. I just ask you this. When was the last time you simply said to God in prayer, I want to acknowledge that everything I have is from you, and I want to give you thanks right now? When was the last time you did that? 
not a heartless rhetoric of, God, thank you for everything, blah, 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 blah. No, where you really stopped and you thought and you allowed your heart to contemplate and reflect on the reality, man, there's nothing I have that isn't from God. God, I'm grateful you've given me everything that I have. You've blessed me in so many ways. Let me ask you and put it in terms of this. Have you just lived this last week enjoying and using up all that God has given you without a thought of thankfulness? But we as parents, man, sometimes we're like, man, I wish our kids would be more grateful. <laughs> I wish they'd be more thankful. I wish they'd say thank you what a, for all that we give them, all that we provide them. Boy, what does God feel like? This past week, did you live it and you just use up all that God has given you and you really never thought, thanked him? You never gave it a thought of thankfulness? Did you just live this past week or did you give thanks for this past week? Father, thank you for every day. Thank you for the health to get out of bed. Father, thank you for the grace and mercy and ah, your loving kindness that was on display. Thank you for all the things that we have. How did you live this last week? Have you used what God has given you without conferring with God, without seeking his will for your life in one area or another, a decision that you faced, that you're facing right now? Are you trying to make the decision without asking God? Can I tell you what opens a door to our lives in making this mistake? It's simply the reality that the door is open when the goods become more important to us than the giver. When when what we have in our hand, what God has blessed us with, the goods, the gifts that he has given us, the things, the possessions, even the doing. Man, we are so blessed to be able to do many of the things we do in life. Have you ever given God thanks for that? Boy, we get so consumed with the doings and the gifts and the goods that we have. They overshadow the one who put them into our lives to the point we really neglect him or forget him. What should we have read between verse 17 and 18? Can I just say this? I think we ought to have read this. The farmer got on his knees and he thanked God for a good harvest. That it was plentiful, that he had so much to give. And God, how would you have me to use this? How should I prepare? Father, you know my barns are not big enough, but you've been so good to me. What should I do with it? Should we have read that? That's literally what Christ says in verse 21. If you want to be rich to God, every decision you make in your life, everything in your hand you're grateful for and you ask God, what should I do with this? What's your will? What's your desire? How can I please you with this? But too often in our lives, the door to this mistake is open because the goods of life become more important than the giver of life. You know what else can happen? You say, well, Pastor Henry, I don't have much, and so I can't. I'm like that poor, penniless neighbor. When do you realize that sometimes for those of us who are going through a valley, a challenging time, don't miss it. When we're going through those times, It's not about the goods of life. Sometimes it's about the goal of surviving becomes more important to us than the giver. We get so fixated on how am I going to get through this and I've just got to find a way and I've got to do this and my troubles and my trials and my challenges. We get so fixated on those difficult times. We get consumed with our plans of how to handle this. I don't know how to handle it. I'm going to find out a way. I'm going to do it some way. And boy, we just, we kind of neglect and we forget God. We're on the other side of the coin of this verse. It isn't just about the idea that, uh, oh, I'm a self-made man. Now it's, you know what, I don't even give a thought to what God will want. It's our plans, our path, our pathetic attempts to make it through without him. And yet the giver of grace for every need is active. He's ready to give both the needed grace and wisdom for everything we face. You see, in this verse, we see this rich farmer make a grave mistake. In preparing for his goods, he forgot the giver. Don't make that mistake. 
Don't let the goods and the things of this life cause you to forget God. Don't let the goals of surviving when you're going through a difficult time cause you to neglect asking God, okay, God, you're the, in control of all things. You allow things to happen. So how do you want me to handle this? How, how can I best face this? This life is not yours to live as you please. It's a gift from the giver of life. So don't neglect him today. How do we be rich in response to this? Well, we be rich to God by not letting the goods of life or the goals of life cause us to forget the God of life. Okay, we don't let, we don't let the goods of life. I'm not going to get so consumed with living. Oh, I got to prepare. I got to do this. As that farmer. No, no, no. Don't let that happen. Or you say, I'm going through a difficult time. Don't let the goals of surviving life cause you to neglect the God of life. Hey, don't let that happen. Good verse that goes right along with it. Psalm 78, 7 says this, uh, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Don't forget what God has done for you and I. Let's be reminded of it daily. And I, all that I have, I owe to him. And so he has the right to tell me how to handle it, how to use it, what to do with it. Uh, follow those commandments. Verse number 19, mistake number three. Okay, in planning for himself, he forgot his neighbor. And so to be rich to God, we want to think of others, put them first. Number two, uh, in preparing for his goods, he forgot the giver. So to be rich, we, wanna, we don't want to make sure the goods of life, the goals of life, don't cause us to forget the God of life. Now, verse number 19, mistake number three. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thy knees, eat, drink, and be merry. Great verse. You know what it shows? I mean, if you look at it, you say, wait a minute, that doesn't make much sense it really doesn't okay here's the mistake notice it he says this or uh, here's what he does in providing for his body he forgot his soul in providing for his body now here's what i find funny i said when this doesn't make sense you look at the verse you're like wait a minute It, it, it is the most alarming mistake by this farmer but it's funny in the verse what does he do notice it he addresses who his soul but who's he really talking to He's really talking to his temporal, physical body. Isn't he? Notice it. He says in the verse, hey, let's, let's do this. Let's put up, and boy, we're going to enjoy this, my, our leisure, our, our pleasure, our treasure. We're, we're, for years to come, we're going to do this. My, my physical, temporal body, we're going to have a great time here on earth. That's literally what he's saying. He's not talking about his soul. He's talking to the body here on earth. And my friend, can I just tell you, that body will not last forever. And it may not last for long, as he'll find out. Don't miss this. In providing for his body, he neglects his soul. For him, it's all about the physical, material things in life. He's only thinking of this world and not the next. I want you to see this morning that to live this life, to get the most out of this world, is to neglect the eternal soul each one of us possesses. The wisest man, he's described uh, Solomon, described life, living for the here and now, living a life given over to the pursuits of everything and anything here on earth as what? Vanity. It's empty. It's worthless. It's wasted. And what does this man here, the farmer, proclaim? He says this, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Now, do you see the self-deception? Do you see the lie that he has believed? No, don't miss this. Understand this statement. If you were to ask your soul today, he would say, Farmer, I don't care anything about that. All your soul cares about today, all that matters to your soul, is where you're going to spend eternity. 
Heaven or hell? Because the things of this life, they're even but a vapor. I could represent it this way, just like that. In light of eternity, it's about as long as that. Why in the world would your soul, who's going to spend eternity somewhere, care about this when the rest of eternity lies in the balance? All that matters to your soul is eternity, heaven or hell. You see, when I take my last breath here on earth and listen, my soul will not care how much money I have in my bank account. When I take my last breath, it will not care what kind of car I drive. It will not care how nice a house I live in. It will not care how much earthly retirement accounts I have and how much is in them. The only thing that will matter is how have I prepared my soul for eternity. That's all that's going to matter. That's all that's going to come into concern. Not this earthly preparation of the rich farmer speaks of, but eternal preparation. Ensuring two things. Number one, I have faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And through my faith and trust in Christ, that I'm going to be guaranteed, and I'm guaranteed today, of rest and enjoyment in heaven for the rest of eternity. In the presence of God. So number one, I've got to be concerned about my soul that I've trusted in Christ. That I've put my faith and trust in him alone. And then once I have done that, there is a concern and a need for the preparation of laying up treasures there in heaven to make heaven that much sweeter. See, these are now concerns for the soul. It's not about today, here and now. It's not about laying up treasures here and earth. No, it's about looking ahead. Let's put it this way. As he says in verse 21, we want to be rich to God. How are we rich to God in this way? Well, we're rich to God by preparing for our soul's eternity through both salvation and laying up treasures in heaven. That's how I prepare my soul for eternity. Forget the body right now. Uh, yeah, th- this body's decaying. It's falling apart. Every morning we wake up, we feel more of it falling apart. Amen. So why worry about this body and preparing for it here on earth? No, I want to care about my soul for eternity. I want to prepare accordingly. Now this begs the question, don't miss it. How in the world uh, is preparing my soul for eternity, uh, my time in eternity, rich to God? How, How do we see that as being rich to God? I might just share with you, there's been several times as a father, and I'm sure many of you as a grandparent or a father or a mother, you have shared in the same delight. One of your children comes up to you and they've made you maybe a little note or a picture or, 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 or a craft or something like that. They, they've done something for you. Maybe it's food. They made you something, cookies or something, and they come up to you and they give it to you, okay? And, and you're like, oh, this is wonderful. You did a great job. That's fantastic. But as you're saying that, you see the look in their eye and they're kind of sad that they gave it away. You ever seen that? And then maybe after they, you're like, oh, and you're just praising it, and you're, 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 oh, this is, you're doting on them. This is wonderful. Maybe they say, eh, if, if you don't want that, I'll take it. It's like you just gave it to them. Okay. <laughs> you ever had a child do that or something like that? And, and they give it up, but boy, they want it back. You know, as a parent, sometimes it's fun saying, oh, yeah, the, this is wonderful, but you know what? Why don't you keep it for me? Why don't you just keep it for me here? You can have back, boy, it it, it thrills my heart to see the joy on their face when they get it back. Now listen to me very, very carefully. When you and I were created, we were created for God. Sin messed it up. And through salvation, and then you and I living a life in which we lay up treasures in heaven, it's like God gets back what belongs to him. 
You want to be rich to God? This is how it happens. Let me just put it succinctly, if I may put it, or put it just straightforward in a simple statement that I think sums it up. This is the truth. Here's the story. We were made by God for God. Every person, every human being, everyone sitting here, everyone listening via live streaming, you were made by God for God, for his pleasure. Well, then sin came along, and guess what? Sin changed that. It messed it up. It made a muck of things. We were separated from God. A great gulf between us. But praise be unto God, the Savior came and changed that. No longer did that have to be the case. No longer did did this gulf have to be there and remain there. No longer did we have to be separated from the one by whom we were made and for whom we were made. And my friend, the reality is this. Now I can give him back what really is his. And trusting Jesus Christ as a Savior, now I come back to the one who made me for him. And as a Christian laying up treasures in heaven, and that's all about God getting back what he created. What's really his, each one of us. I'm giving back my life and living for him, laying up those treasures to the one who created it for his pleasure. We are rich to God in this way. You know what shows that? You know the Bible says there is great joy in heaven when a sinner comes to repentance. Christ said it. You see the verse here. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God when one over one sinner that repenteth. Isn't that exciting? Heaven can erupt in joy. And if the angels of God are excited, you can guess where they learned it from because the God of heaven is excited. He gains joy when one sinner comes to salvation. And my friend, may I just tell you, it it certainly goes along with the reality of when you and I lay up treasures in heaven, he gains much joy from it. First question is this, have you ever done that? Have you ever trusted Christ, repented of your sin, and come to faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Have you done that? That's the first step. Be rich unto God, be saved today. Number two, if you are saved, be careful. Don't, sometimes we think of laying up treasures in heaven. It's kind of, uh, we might be tempted that it's selfish thinking. Well, it could be if our motives were purely selfish. But understand this. When I lay up treasures in heaven through maybe good works or serving the Lord or obedience to his word, whatever the case may be. When I lay up treasures in heaven, listen. You and I are pleasing God tremendously. We're bringing pleasure to God. We are doing exactly what he created us to do. And my friend, may I just tell you, that's a win-win situation. When I get to heaven, I'm looking forward to enjoying and seeing the treasures that I laid up. But I'll tell you, not only does it thrill my heart, but it thrills God's heart. It brings him joy. It, 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 it really <laughs> delights him brings him pleasure so let's not make this mistake of just living our lives in such a way we are providing for our bodies but not our souls hey you have to we have to work we have to be concerned with the necessities of life you can be concerned with them but don't be consumed by them Okay, you can be concerned, take care of the the needs of the bodies but oh my friend it is so much greater to be consumed with the needs of the soul laying up these treasures. Mistake number three is simple. In providing for his body, he forgot his soul. In contrast, we need to avoid the mistake by being rich to God, by preparing for our soul's eternity in both salvation and laying up treasures in heaven. Last but not least, we're done. Verse 20, notice it. 
But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Mistake number four is pretty simple. In counting on time, he forgot about its uncertainty. In counting on time, he forgot about its uncertainty. You know what? He was thinking in terms of years, but in reality, guess what? He only had minutes. Just a few minutes. This night, your soul's going to be required to be. It is a mistake, a great mistake that so many make. We believe that tomorrow or next week, next month, next year, the next season of life, I can start planning and preparing for eternity. May we be reminded this morning, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, the harvest time for your soul can come at any moment. Our graduation day as believers can come at any moment. At any moment. If you're an unbeliever here, the fact is you can enter eternity at any moment. Any moment. The point of the last part of this verse is what? Wasted provision. So tell me, rich farmer, when your soul is required to this night, what will happen to those great plans you have for life on this earth? And friend, may I just ask you to put yourself in that? The great plans you've made here on earth without God included, what's going to happen to those when you and I, when our soul is required of us? Tell me, rich farmer, when your soul is required of thee this night, what will happen to all those great goods you have stored up to enjoy your life here on earth? Tell me, rich farmer, when your soul is required of thee this night, what will happen to all those provisions you have made for life here on earth? I just make two statements. The time we have here on earth is completely, unequivocally uncertain. But here is what is certain. And don't miss it. Concerning my life here on earth, here's what's certain. It is the reality that you will live each day you do have here on earth, either preparing for an unguaranteed future on this earth or a guaranteed future somewhere in eternity. So every day we make a decision. Okay, what am I going to really live for? I, I have to be concerned about the things of this world, but man, I don't want to be consumed with that. I want to be consumed with eternity. The guaranteed part of this life that I'm going to experience and that I'm going to enjoy. Don't make the same mistake the farmer did. Don't waste the little life that you do have laying up treasures here on earth. But rather, what? Be rich unto God. Be rich unto him by living for him daily. By laying up the treasures of good works and service for him in heaven. And by living with eternity in focus. So he comes to verse 21. He says, "Ah, don't lay up treasures here on earth. The unguaranteed part of life. We have treasures in heaven. Shared the verse with you before. We've studied 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. says that they which live should henceforth not live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Not living for ourselves, but living for him. That's what the giver of life desires for you and I. Now let me ask you this, and I'm going to pray, and we're going to be done. Doesn't he totally deserve it? I mean, does he deserve it? But how easy it is for you and I to open these doors to these mistakes in our thinking here on earth. As we go day by day by day by day here on earth, and sometimes we, we think, oh, life, I, I'm going to have a long life. I'm going to have many years ahead. Oh, friend, don't make those mistakes. 
follow this. And may I just simply say this, be rich unto God today. Be rich unto God this week. And my friend, when you do, you will have the blessings of God in this life and in the life to come. Father, we thank you for your word. I'm grateful for this illustration from the parable of these mistakes that have been made. And Father, we have a heart and a desire to be rich unto you this morning. I pray, Lord, as you have taught us your word, as you have spoken through your Holy Spirit this morning, that, Father, you have brought to light, you have opened our eyes to some ways in which maybe we've allowed these mistakes into our lives. Maybe through wrong thinking, maybe through wrongdoing. And Father, maybe we put the goods of life or the goals of life ahead of you and caused us to forget you in decision making. Lord, may we confess that this morning. I pray that we would throw that on the altar and we confess it and make it right with you. And Father, I pray if there's one here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, whether here or watching via live streaming, may today be the day of salvation. Lord, I pray in this invitation you would work in our hearts and our lives identify any of these mistakes we've made and help us, lead us in confessing that, repenting of it, and putting you back where you belong. Father, we are reminded in the song the choir sang that life is best when you are near, when you're close to us. And so, Lord, I pray that we would eradicate any of these mistakes in our life, that we would have the goal and the mindset of being rich to you today and every day that follows. And in that, may we draw near to you. Bless now in this invitation, work in our hearts as only you can. Help us not to be thinking ahead, but thinking what we've just studied and listening to your Holy Spirit now in this time.